morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Excited about what God is doing. I am definitely not new school. When Pastor Josh is not home, one of my boys better figure out how to turn the TV on because I have no idea. <laughs> so uh, we do have talk it over sheets for, for those of you guys who are like me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord God, that you love us enough to encourage us to become more like you, that you love us enough that you give grace, that you love us enough that you never give up on us. God, I pray as we are entering in this new series, Lord God, that you would just truly give us hearts to hear, that if there would be anything toxic in our life, Lord, that we um, would surrender it at your altar, that we would surrender it at the cross, and that we would say, God, have your way. We don't want these things. We don't want poison in our life. We don't want things that are toxic in our life, Lord. God, we want to be like you. And so, God, I pray today that you would help us and that you would guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're starting a new series today called Toxic. Can you say toxic? And we are going to be going over the seven deadly sins for the next uh, seven weeks. Many of you have probably heard of the seven deadly sins. It's, it's been around for quite some time. Um, there are seven deadly sins also called capital vices or cardinal sins. It's a Western grouping of classification of vices. This grouping emerged in the 4th century AD and is used for Christian ethic, education, and confession. So some of you guys might be saying, well, what are the seven deadly sins? Let me answer that question today. So seven deadly sins are as follows. One, lust. Two, gluttony, three, greed, four, sloth, five, wrath, six, envy, and seven, pride. And um, we are going to be praying and asking God which ones we should do each week, so it's not going to be going necessarily in this order, okay? But seven is significant. The number seven is significant in the Bible. How many days uh, are, are, did Jesus, or God take to create the world? Seven. Well, and on the seventh day, he rested. Okay, the root word for the number seven in Hebrew means to be full or to be complete. So what many scholars believe that these, basically any sins can be wrapped up in these seven. And so that's what, uh, why, why we should understand these seven things so that we can see that they are toxic, they are poison to us, and that we need God to come and help us so that we can surrender. Because the, my Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short. Amen. And so this word is not something like, ooh, I'm going to skip. You know, we were playing around yesterday. We had some people over for dinner, and we were eating enchiladas. And, oh, it was good. And as we were on, some of us are second, some of us are third, some of us are fourth. I'm not going to point any fingers or elbows or anything like that. Portion, one person, we were talking about these toxic sins, and someone was like, well, when you preach on gluttony, I'm skipping that week. <laughs> so <laughs> we, this is not going to be in any order, and this is going to be something that God is going to lead us and say, okay, this is today, this is what we're going to talk about. So today, I felt the Lord said he wanted us to start off with the sin of wrath. And uh, a lot of us know that as anger. And so my sermon title today is called Anger Management. Come on, y'all. Anger Management. And as you can see by my T-shirt here, sorry for the things I said when I was hangry, I am not one who has this down pat. 
Anger is something that I constantly have to crucify before the Lord. And don't mix being angry and hungry together because then it's all bad for me, okay? I really have to crucify that and give it up to the Lord. There is an acrostic that I, I love that's called HALT. I learned this when I was young in the Lord. And it's, a, it's to avoid temptation that we should never be too hungry, too angry. Put those together, what you got? Hangry, right? Too lonely or too tired. Because in those situations, oftentimes we fall into temptation. And so we're going to be talking about these things in the next several um, weeks because we want to be a holy people. We want to be a people that are set apart and dedicated to God. And so therefore we need to say, God, just like King David, search me. Is there any sin in me, Lord? Search me. Search me. And so let that be our prayer in these next seven weeks. God, search me so that I can be more like you. Who wants to be more like Jesus? Right? Come on, this is a good thing. And so let's uh, ask the Lord to search us. And so today we're going to be talking about wrath. It's also known as rage. It may be described as an inordinate and uncontrolled feeling of hatred and anger. Wrath in its purest form presents, present with self-destructiveness, violence, and hate may provoke feuds that can go on for centuries. Wrath may be may persist long after the person who did another a grievance wrong is dead. Feelings of anger can manifest in different ways, including impatience, revenge, and self-destructive behavior such as drug abuse or suicide. Wrath is the only sin not necessarily associated with selfishness or self-interest. I found that interesting. Although it can be, of course, wrathful for selfish reasons such as jealousy, closely related to the sin of envy. In the book, Dante's Inferno described vengeance as a love of justice perverted to revenge and spite. See, people feel angry when they sense that they have been done wrong or that someone they care about has been offended. When they are certain that the nature and cause of the angering event, when they are certain that someone else is responsible for it, and when they feel the influence that... that, that they have to do something to cope with the situation. Wrath, and when I looked it up in the Strong's Concordance, it's as reaching forth or excitement of mind, violent passion, punishment, anger, indig indignation, or vengeance. In short, wrath is a vin uh, vin it's, it's a vindictive anger, angry revenge, it's rage. It's not the same as just anger. And I want to make sure I explain that before we get deeper here. We as Christians can find ourselves asking, is getting angry a sin? And I want to explain the difference between getting angry, being irritated at times, and wrath. See, if we look in the Bible, we find many references to anger. And we know that major hitters like Moses, the prophets, and even Jesus got angry at times. So getting angry is not sin. It's what we do with that emotion that can lead us to sin. And so that is why when, and when I say the famous acrostic that I grew up with, halt, temptation, never get too hungry, too angry, too lonely, too tired. None of those things are sins, but those things are, can lead us to sin when we're, we're too much of it. You see what I'm saying? And so I want to describe four or, uh, different types of anger that we see in the Bible to help you further understand the difference between anger and wrath, okay? Uh, 
First of all, there's sudden anger. The Bible says that sudden anger is to be controlled. Say controlled. Sudden anger, quick temper. It needs to be controlled. Secondly, there is sinful anger. anger, And the Bible says that sinful anger is to be condemned. Say condemned. Thirdly, there is stubborn anger. And stubborn anger needs to be captured. And finally, there is sanctified anger anger and sanctifying anger is to be channeled see wrath is the worst kind of manifestation of anger and it must be completely conquered friends wrath must be conquered we have an obligation before God not to be short-tempered or quickly angered with people who struggle or who fail instead we are to forbear with them and to help them. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Friends, anger management. We need to get rid of the bad kind of anger in our life. We need to get rid of the wrath. And so today we're going to talk about how to overcome wrath. And we're going to break down the word wrath in a way I like to do as an acrostic on five or different ways on how to overcome wrath. Number one, say number one, gain wisdom. Say gain wisdom. Proverbs 29, eight says mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away anger. I love this one. Proverbs 29, 11 says a fool gives full vent to his anger. But a wise man keeps himself under control. And my personal favorite coming up here, Proverbs 17, 28. I'm going to read it in two translations just to make sure you guys really get the gist of this. The NIV says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. And in the message version, and y'all know I love how he, he breaks it down at times, Even dunces who keep quiet are thought to be wise. As long as they keep their mouths shut, they're smart. One more, just to have fun. Proverbs 19, 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It's only to one's glory to overlook an offense. We need godly wisdom in order to turn away from anger, friends. We need godly wisdom in order to know when to speak and when to to be quiet. We need godly wisdom to get over an offense. Jesus said that offenses will come. All of us have emotions. There's times we feel happy. There's times we feel sad. There's times we feel angry. And we need to learn how to cope with the emotions that we feel. God has given us emotions. Emotions are not a bad thing. But if we don't learn to control ourselves, if we give full vent to any of our emotions, it can lead to sin, especially the emotion of anger. Do you, have you ever known someone, like think in your mind right now of the wisest person you know. Just take a moment to think of the wisest person you know. Maybe it's some kind of, maybe it's a grandpa or, or an elder in the church or, or some kind of mentor in your life. Think of for a moment the wisest person you know. Picture that person. Now, most likely that person is not one who is quick-tempered. 
That person is probably a temperate person. It's probably an even-tempered person, one who knows how to control their, their emotions, their feelings, their self. Because when you have wisdom, you realize that you don't always have to be the one to get the last word. Help us, Lord. Forgive me for what I said when I was hangry. <laughs> You're right. We don't always have to get the last word. I'm preaching to myself right now. Come on, somebody. When you have wisdom, you learn that it's okay to, you know, just be quiet sometimes. You don't have to be heard all the time. My husband says, honey, you can be 100% right in what you say and 100% wrong in how you say it. Oh, Wisdom is, we don't always just have to focus on being right in what we say. But wisdom is being right in how we say it. Come on, anyone else? Am I the only one? Come on, y'all, because I felt this is what we were supposed to start with. So I know some of you out there are feeling it. Forgive me for what I said when I was hangry. Come on, anger management 101 right here. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. Friends, we need wisdom in order to overcome wrath. God, I just pray even now that you would give your people wisdom. Wisdom when to be quiet, wisdom when to speak, wisdom when to overlook an offense. When someone makes them mad, Lord, give them wisdom to overlook it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The second thing that we need to overcome wrath is we need to learn to reconcile with others. Now, what do I mean by that big old fancy church word reconcile? It means to be made right with others. See, Jesus himself instructs us about anger, and he commands, his command carries with it a great sense of urgency. And I'm going to read from Matthew 5, 21 and 26. It says, therefore, if you're an offering, your gift at the altar, there and remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go first and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Friends, when I first really, when this first, first really became real to me, it's about the age of 19 when I first got on fire. I mean, I grew up in the church, but I mean, I really got a hold of it when I was 19 and I grabbed a hold of, of what God was doing in my life. And this verse spoke volumes to me and the Lord convicted me. And you know, have you ever read something in the Bible and it's like, oh, I got I to gotta do this right now. Like, I got to make this right. Well, I read this verse and the Lord convicted me and he had me go back. I basically made a list of everybody I wronged. And I had to go back and apologize to him. I mean, eat humble pie and apologize to him. I remember going back to a girl um, that I basically bullied when I was in high school and looked her up and had to apologize to her and felt really kind of awkward and silly doing it. But, but as soon as I did it, and she was very gracious to me, the Lord, I mean, I felt his presence. You know, the three hardest words sometimes for us to say is, I am sorry. Let's practice that, friends. Matter of fact, look to your neighbor. Honey, you could just look right at me and go ahead and practice that. Go ahead. You know, you know, Y'all can, you know, go, come over here by Lindsay, but go ahead, honey, practice. Let me, let me hear those words. No, 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 honey. This is for, this is for the church. This is, this is good stuff. Go ahead. Let me hear it. I'm sorry. Oh, you sure in it. You made it too. No, I want, I am sorry. Go ahead. Try one more time. Honey. Practice is good. Go ahead. 
You see how hard that is, friends. Come on. Y'all believe in your pastor. I know y'all believe in your pastor. Come on. Look, they believe in you. One more time. One more time. You, you Three little words. You can do this. I can do it. Here we go. I got it. I am hungry. <laughs> Come on. Okay, for real. I am sorry. Oh, don't that sound good? I like that. That's recorded, right, Pastor Steve? I need, I need just that little part. Like, I need to put that on my smartphone. I just need to hear that. <laughs> no, I know I'm being silly, guys. Some of you guys are sitting by your spouse, and you had to practice saying that. Don't, don't just make it Pastor Josh. Y'all practice, too, because this is the thing. If we learn to say, I am sorry, it's going to carry us a long way. The Lord, I'm so, gra I'm so grateful that the Lord taught me that at 19 because I've had to say it often, a lot more often since then. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 4, 26. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. You know, my parents taught me that scripture, and they kind of, especially my mom, really reiterated that scripture when I first got married. It'll be 15 years at the end of this month. She said, thank you, Jesus. But she said over and over, and we were very young, 21 and 22, ba babies, really. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm so grateful I had godly parents that taught me this scripture and said, don't ever go to bed mad at your husband. Don't go to bed mad. Make up before you go to bed. And I remember, especially in those early years, like, oh, we got to make up because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm ready to go to sleep now. It's time to make up, you know? But I am so grateful. And for the most part, in 15 years, we do not go to bed angry. It's something that will, will be so good for not just your spouse, your children, your parents, close relationships, because one night turns into two, two turns into a week, a week turns into a month, a month turns into years. There's people that are in families that haven't spoken to each other in years because of uncontrolled and unchecked anger, friends. We've, if we want to overcome ang anger, if we want to overcome wrath, we need to learn to reconcile to make it right. Say, make it right. This brings me to the next verse here. It says, 1 Corinthians 13, 5, and this describes love. It says, it says, love, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Friends, something I learned from Pastor Keith and Shannon, who were my pastors and mentors early on um, in disciplining children and disciplining our own children, something I saw from them is anytime one of their kids got in trouble, say PK gave a swat to one of the kids, and naturally that kid wants to run to Shannon to, to you know, make it right. Uh, well, Shannon always said, go back and make it right with your dad. And so that's something that they didn't really teach me by saying, hey, this is what you should do. It was one of those things that were caught, not taught. And so early on, you know, after we were married for a few years and we decided to have kids, once our kids weren't babies anymore and they start getting in trouble, I mean, I remember Shua, whew, that boy had a strong will, okay? Still does. But he would get in trouble, get spanked, and come running to me when his dad spanked him or come running to his dad when I spanked him and, and wanted to bring that division. It's just, you know, how, how kids, it's, it's the nature of, of flesh, you know. And so we would say, go make it right. Go make it right with the other person. Go make it right with the other person. And, friends, it's such a good thing to do because not only do children do that, we do that as adults. We get mad at somebody. 
get angry at somebody, instead of going to them, we go to somebody else in the family about it. How are you making it right with somebody else in the family? You know, you're mad at your sister and instead of going to her, you're going to your mother. You're mad at your mother instead of going to your mother, you're going to your father. I've been there. I'm, I'm guilty. You see my t-shirt, y'all. I'm not here saying <laughs> like I have it all down. I'm, I'm pressing forth though. I'm pressing forward to, towards the prize and I'm teaching you some things that I've had to learn myself and still have to put into practice. It is important if you want to overcome wrath to make it right with people we're offended with. Amen? Something else that we need to do to overcome wrath is we need to be careful who we associate with. Say associate with. Proverbs 22, 23 says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. Have you ever heard the old saying, birds of the feather flock together? Y'all mamas talk to you like my mama talked to me. How about this one? Don't lie down with dogs unless you want to get fleas, right? It's so true, friends. When, it, who we associate with matters. Matter of fact, the Bible says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. When I was a youth pastor, this is one that I would drill into our teenagers' heads. So teenagers really listen to it. But us adults need to hear it too. It says, do not be misled. Say misled. misled. It's not, to me, it's interesting that it starts this verse with do not be misled. Because we like that that's there for a reason. And then it goes on, it says, bad company corrupts good character. Do you hear that? Do you understand that? Friends, we need to be careful who we associate with, who we hang out with, who we constantly keep company with. Because if we're constantly keeping company with a hot-tempered person, you might not even be mad, and they just want to start up something. I remember one of my friends in high school, this person had some long history of, of, of a temper, would, and, and when anytime you're around this person, trouble would come because of the hot head. And it's easy to pick those things up. It's easy to pick those things up. So I want to encourage you. The Bible says that we are to be a witness. We are to be a light and salt to the world, to people who don't know Jesus. But that does not mean that they should influence us. We should influence them. We, we are going to be around unsaved, you know, people who don't know Jesus or people who are not following closely after Jesus because even in our own family, neighborhoods, jobs, obviously that's going to, you would have to be raptured up with heaven not to be around people. We don't need to be afraid, do you see what I'm saying, of people and them influencing us. But we've got to make sure that our ones who we are getting influenced by are godly counsel, the family of God. First and foremost, God himself and his word needs to be the number one influence in our life. And so we need to be a careful who we associate with. Can I be honest with you guys for a second? The, you know, it's the best policy, right? <laughs> the number one way that I have seen people backslide is they go back to old company. Now, when I first got on fire for the Lord, my friends thought I was crazy. Matter of fact, they said, You've went overboard with this Jesus stuff. I would still go to, to the parties and hang out with them. I wouldn't drink. I would wear my Jesus teachers, right? That's how we used to do it. I mean, I would, I would lead people uh, to the Lord. I would have them come to church with me and stuff. But there came a time 
that I grew apart, not, not because I was saying, oh, I'm too good for you or whatever. It's just my values change from their values. And God has brought other people. Some of those people are in the ministry now too as well. You know, there were seeds that I was plant, I planted, but I grew apart. And when I began to have problems, I didn't get my advice from the ones that were still drinking and clubbing it. You see what I'm saying? I got my advice from the new friends that I met who were living righteous lives in church. From my pastors, from my elders, from my leaders, and most of all, from the word of God. I made sure I was in it every day. It's a hard thing, friends. It really is. It's a hard thing. But if you want to walk successfully before the Lord, it is something that you have to take serious. And you know what? There's a friend that sticks closer to the, than a brother. Peter said, well, we gave up all these things what, you know, on this earth. We, what are we going to gain? And, and, and Jesus said to him, you're going to gain this and so much more. Friends, what we give up for God, he's going to replace in such a greater way. If you have to give up, you know, but that was my best friend since I was in kindergarten, but they're not doing right, and you've been witnessing and witnessing and witnessing, and they keep bringing you down. I know it's hard, but God will, give you a, God will, give you, will meet your need. Okay, he will bring other sisters and brothers in the Lord around you. He will meet your need. If you want to overcome wrath, if you deal with anger and you're hanging out with other people who are dealing with anger, guess what? It's, it's like when you're going on a diet and everybody else around you keeps eating fattening food and bringing in big triple layer cakes from Sam's Club in your house. It's kind of hard to diet then, amen? <laughs> Sometimes we got to cut the things out, Right? Sometimes we got to cut it out. It's worth it, friends. Who wants to overcome wrath in this place today? Who wants to overcome wrath? Come on. All right, the next thing. Y'all felt that after this Easter, huh? The next thing that we need to overcome wrath, and this is probably my favorite point here, so y'all got to listen. Matter of fact, especially on the front row, because you guys keep talking and distracting me, so listen to the last, this next point. <laughs> this next point, if you want to overcome wrath, talk less, listen more. Oh, I'm just kidding, y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. I know y'all talking about godly things. <laughs> They're open. Geez, he's tripping me in the front row, man. <laughs> listen, talk less, listen more. Friends, if you've been around me for any length of time, if you come to any of my women's Bible studies, you've heard me say one of the things that I pray over myself uh, at least once a week, if not sometimes several times a week, is, Lord, if I'm going to sin with my tongue today, let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. It happened in one of the prophets in the Old Testament. I figured if God could do it for him, he could do it for me, right? <laughs> I pray that for God put a guard over my mouth. Help me not sin with my mouth, Lord. I know it's my greatest strength and my greatest weakness, Lord. Help me. And sometimes I have really good weeks, and sometimes I got to go eat humble pie and say I'm sorry. Sometimes I have to go say I'm sorry to several people. Usually it's just people limited to my family, but every once in a while, if you catch me at a certain time of the month or a certain emotional uh, thing going on or, or something going on with my it can come off any other kind of crazy way. Some of y'all embarrassed what I just said, but come on, ladies, you know I'm telling the truth. Talk less, listen more. It is said that the tongue is the muscle in your body that heals the fastest. So go ahead and bite it. So go ahead and bite it. 
Oh, I have to tell myself that one all the time, friends. Go ahead and bite it. God gave us two ears, but only one mouth for a reason. See, the scripture says, James 1, 19 and 20, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm going to read it again in the King James Version. It says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Love that word. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See, the word swift here, I love this word. In the Greek what it means, what it depicts is a runner who runs as fast as he can so he can reach the finish line before his competitor. Because this runner is fiercely wants to win the race, he puts everything else out of his mind and he focuses on the finish line. And then he presses forward to obtain the first place prize. See, because of this Greek word, tachis, that is used, the first part of James 1.19 could be rendered as this. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, set your focus on becoming a good listener and do it with all of your might as if you were in a competition to win the race of being the best listener. Whew. I want to give you guys some advice. If you guys like to talk like me, I want to give you some advice on how to become a better listener. It's advice I myself need to practice more and follow. It says, uh, to make sure you really hear the person talking to you, this is what we should do. We should stop and repeat the conversation back to the person. Ask the person the following questions. Is this what you're really trying to tell me? Is this the point that you're trying to make to me today? Is this what you want me to get out of this conversation? Is this what you want me to do when we're done talking? Is this how I need to respond is there anything else I need to know about this? I'm telling you, friends, husbands, wives, copy these, question, these questions down. I'm, I'm, I'm saving you guys therapy money right here, okay? Learn these questions when someone's talking to you. I'm telling you, it's going to help you go further in life. The Bible says we're to be swift to listen, to listen. So make it your top priority today, friends, to become a superb listener, to learn how to digest the information other people are trying so desperately to communicate with you. Friends, your spouse will thank me. I might get an email this week if some of y'all practice it. I might get a Facebook message from a spouse saying, thank you, Pastor Joy, for that advice. I'm telling you, it will help you go far in life if we learn to be a better listener. Amen. Talk less, listen more. Finally, the last thing that I want to talk about today that is going to help us overcome wrath, help us overcome ungodly anger, is that we need to learn to show humility. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. Oftentimes, when we get angry and out of control, it's because our pride was hurt, friends. But when we walk in humility, if someone steps on our toes, someone hurts our pride a little bit, we learn to shake it off because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Oh, help us, Lord. Y'all just reach your hands up right here and pray for me right now. Come on, we all. <laughs> Touch yourself too. It's not just me. Come on. We need this teaching today. Amen.
Walk in humility. Show humility. Now listen to this scripture. I love it. This is one of the things that made me fall in love with my husband. He is a very good listener. In Proverbs 15.1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I've seen my husband do it over and over and over, give a gentle answer. Someone's angry, and he gives a gentle answer. I remember early on in the ministry, somebody was confused about a guest speaker who came in and something that he said, and he called up my husband. And, oh, I'm so glad that he got that call, not me, because I was sitting next to him listening. You know, I'm nosy like that. So I'm, like, sitting in the car, like, listening to him, like, oh, no, he wasn't. Ooh, I'm steaming. I'm being loud. Josh trying to walk away from me so the person can't hear, you know, because I'm, like, I'm losing it, man. And, and this person is just, like, uh, you know, condemning Pastor Josh and, and, and us and for something he doesn't even know what he's talking about and I'm ready to fight you know I'm like oh no he's not I'm mad I'm just being real I was angry I'm like no he didn't and, and then you know I start thinking I'm, I got a quick tongue and a fast wit and I'm thinking all the things that he needs to check in his own life before he's coming accusing on something that he doesn't even know what he's talking about right pastor Josh is trying to walk away from me he's in the yard at this point you know and I'm like what is going on and then the person um said to Pastor Josh, shame on you, shame on you, even though the person was mistaken and didn't have no idea what he's talking about, right? And then I heard my husband say, grace to you, brother, grace to you. And I was like, oh, I love that godly man. I'm so glad he answered the phone and not me. God, you are so good, right? We need to learn to say grace to you. Look at Paul. Okay, throughout the Bible, how did he end almost every letter and begin every grace and peace to you? We mess up. Some of us really fall short with the mouth thing, right? Come on, with the anger thing. Grace and peace to you, brothers and sisters. Grace and peace to you, brothers and sisters. Grace and peace to you. We need to give grace to ourselves so that we can give grace to others. We need to walk in humility. I used to mess up, and I would beat myself up. I was never even Catholic, and I would want to pay penance, man. I don't know, it was just in me. I messed up. I wanted to go, like, pay penance. I wanted to do right. I wanted to make it right. I, I offended someone. They're, going, they're getting coffee next week on me. I mean, I would go over the top to try to make it right. I still sometimes try to make it right, you know, I may still sometimes err and going over the top, but I've learned to give grace to myself and not beat myself up so much when I mess up. Because I'm telling you, I would, I would beat myself up. I mean, beat myself up. And I realize I don't do that to my children. When they mess up, I forgive them and they move on. And I am a human being. God does not do that to me. When I say I am sorry, what does his word say? When I truly ask for forgiveness, it says he takes our sin and he removes it as far as the east is from the west, friends. We have got to learn to walk in humility. And the first part of that is giving grace to ourselves. I remember, again, when I was in uh, Bible school, and I lived with a family that I loved and, and learned so much. These people would wake up early in the morning. I was not an early morning person. I woke up. I lived in the country, which I've never lived in in my entire life, except for that year that I was living with them in Bible school. And, I mean, seriously, country, like, there was, it was, was kind of scary. I mean, animals and, and stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, like, super quiet, man. How do you fall asleep? Like, it being so quiet and stuff, you know? And, and it, it was. It was crazy. But I would wake up really early because they would wake up. They were intercessors. 
And they would wake up to the blowing of the shofar every morning, man. It was like the rooster and then the shofar. It was just crazy, you know. And they would, they would be praying and interceding. I'm like, man, God had me in the right home for that year that I was there in, in, in master's commission in the Bible school that I went to. And I remember early on when I was living with them, we um, went to the church service. And then after the church service, they went to a small group and uh, and Brian and Nitsa went, that was their names, and they went to this small group, and they asked me to come along with them. Of course, you know, you're a college student, you're broke, you don't got no money. Is there food? Yeah. I was like, Audrey, like, is there food at the meeting? They're like, yeah. There's, I'm like, I'm there, you know? And so I went to the meeting, and there was a guest speaker in that, that Sunday, and the small group began to talk about the guest speaker, and this one guy was just kind of getting a little ugly with it. He was like, you know, I don't blah, blah, blah. I can't remember exactly, but I remember he was kind of criticizing the preacher. And then he got quiet and he asked Brian, Brian was quiet the whole time, the, 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 the father of um, the couple that I lived with. And he asked him, well, what do you think? And he said this, I will never forget. He said, you know what? When someone is preaching and teaching, I try to take the good of what they have to say and apply that part to my life. And if there's something else that maybe I don't disagree, I disagree with or doesn't apply to me, then I just leave that part alone and I take the good. And Man, I'm telling you, there was a hush that came across that house full of people. They were just like, you know, they were like, oh. <laughs> they were just convicted, like, oh. And I was thinking, all right, God, thank you for having me in this home. I like these people. You knew what you were doing. I needed to learn this lesson. And I'm telling you, friends, I saw humility that that man carried. And when you walk in humility, the Bible says that when we humble ourselves, that he will lift us up in due time. And if we would learn when we are offended with somebody, when our feelings are hurt, when we feel that anger come up, if we would learn to humble ourselves and to allow God to work on their life. I'm telling you, friends, God can work things out much quicker than we can. I want to end with this scripture. First Timothy Two eight. Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. God can help you overcome ungodly anger. He's helped me and he continues to help me even when I mess up. I know he can help you too. I'm one here to testify. He, I've come a long way. I got to go a lot further, but I've come a long way, friends. He can help you too. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I'm telling you, you guys don't want to miss these next six weeks because these are some lessons that the Lord really wants to teach us so that we can truly lift up holy hands and do all that God has created us to do. Would you close your eyes for a moment just so you're not distracted? And would you just focus on the Lord? Just focus on the Lord. If you know, if you know that you deal with ungodly anger, if you know that there are some, it does, you know, it doesn't have to be to the full extent of wrath. Maybe it's just part of it. Maybe you just have a quick temper that needs to be crucified to Jesus. Maybe you just have a sharp tongue that needs to learn to be a little bit more quiet. Maybe you're just one who always has to get the last word and you just need a little bit more wisdom. Maybe you're one who is so easily offended 
that God wants to teach you to give grace to others, to give grace to yourself. If that's you today and you know that you deal with some of those things, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? The Lord wants to, he wants to heal you today. He really does. If you would feel comfortable, I would ask you to go ahead, even if you don't feel comfortable, take that extra step, step of faith and come up here. We got people on our prayer team that are ready to pray for you. I'm so grateful that when the Lord convicted me of that, I remember 19 years old and being so overcome with this anger, with rage. I remember coming to the altar one time and I was crying and I was praying, God, please take this from me. And I remember something lifting. And not that I've never dealt with that emotion because it is emotion. I deal with it sometimes on a daily basis. But I've learned that it doesn't have to go there. It doesn't have to be ugly. Prayer team, would you come on up? If, and lay hands. And if you're part of the prayer team and you answer the, the 